Gospel of Peter is actually the gospel of his testimony, of his life. Peter was a man of action. He was a man that did things, spoke easily. He would say things just out of the blue, like, whoa, where'd that come from? Well, that was Peter. And maybe some of you can relate to that. But if we could have a gospel of Peter, it would be an exciting book, wouldn't it? to read about his life. A lot of the disciples, we don't know much about what they did, like Nathaniel, Bartholomew. But Peter, we know a lot about Peter. He was a man of action, did a lot of great things. And he made a lot of mistakes as well. And as we find, he became an amazing apostle of Jesus Christ. If we could write the gospel of Peter for him, I think we would divided up into different chapters. The first chapter, I think, would be the discovery of the Messiah. That'd be a great starting place, wouldn't it, for a book? How about the walk with Jesus, those three years of walking with him, seeing all those things that Jesus did? Then we have to have a chapter on the denial, and then maybe on the conversion of Peter, the born-again experience of how Peter went through his life and the power of the Holy Spirit, healing people, going places, Amazing. And then his final testimony, we have to end up with his last two little letters in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. That's the amazing testimony that, that would, he would have for the, at the end of his life. But in looking at his life, I think it would be really something to walk through the gospel of Peter through his eyes to see what it was like for him. What would it be like to see Jesus baptized by John the Baptist? Wouldn't that be something to be in Peter's shoes and be there by the Jordan and and seeing John the Baptist preaching, dressed up, you know, kind of funny with the camel's hair and everything, and and just preaching his heart out and seeing people baptized left and right? That'd be an exciting time for Peter. And then to have John point out the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Imagine what Peter was thinking, wow, the Lamb of God. Every Jewish boy knows that the Lamb of God points to the Messiah. Oh, is the Messiah here? Is he coming? Is he going to set up his kingdom? I can imagine what was going through Peter's mind and the people around him were all getting pretty excited. And then John pointed to a man. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Wow. That must be the Messiah. That must be him. Let's go talk to him. Let's go find out what it's all about. So Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John started following Jesus around, wanted to know him, and after a while, Jesus anointed them, and they became his disciples. The next chapter of the walking through life with Jesus would be an amazing thing. Imagine being with Jesus as he spoke to 5,000 people and then feeding them, having pity on them, and taking some loaves and fishes, and the disciples just kept filling the baskets, filling the baskets, filling the baskets. 5,000 people were fed. That would just really thrill your heart, wouldn't it? And then to be called one of his disciples and seeing the closeness of the power of God, you could see him doing all kinds of things like calming the storm of the ocean, the sea of the Sea of Galilee. was like an ocean. It was really big. As huge storms would happen. And Peter, one time, was so afraid. Now, this is kind of unusual for a fisherman. 
Because fishermen don't get usually afraid on the sea. They're used to the sea. They're used to storms. This one was pretty scary, and even he was afraid. But Jesus stood up, and with just a few words, he calmed the raging storm. Wow. Here a man can calm the storm? That's an amazing thing. Peter knew this had to be the Son of God. He was convinced of it. And then one time at another storm, he saw like a, like a ghost-like appearance walking on the water, and they thought maybe it was like a, an omen of death. But they recognized, well, isn't that Jesus? Yeah, that's Jesus. And here he is walking on water. And so what does Peter say? Hey, if that's you, can he come out and walk with you? And he goes, sure. So Jesus said, come on. Imagine Peter walking on water. What that be like? Wouldn't that be a great story to have in the Gospels of what it was like to walk on the water, seeing all those big waves just before you almost drown? <clears throat> Pretty fun. And then he took his eyes off Jesus, and he realized, wow, there's something to this. Water, Jesus, I better keep my eyes on Jesus. It became more and more serious as they were facing demons. They saw Jesus cast out. Well, I was afraid this would happen. <clears throat> he was Peter saw Jesus cast out demons. Amazing power. Amazing power. Peter realized that there is something going on here than just religion, more than just going to church. There is something going on here that's supernatural. There is a war going on. And when they saw the demoniacs running at them to kill them, Jesus stood up and stopped them with just his hand and cast out those demons. They realize that there is a war going on, and as we get closer to the end of time, my friends, we are going to see some supernatural things happen that will shake us and make us realize, wow, religion is just not enough. Going to church is just not going to be enough. Knowing the Bible is not going to be enough. My friends, we need to know Jesus. We need to know him so well he is in our heart. We need to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts each and every day because we do not wrestle against I'm so sorry. Do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It is a very serious thing when we see people possessed or doing evil things in this world today. We see people take cars and they drive down bridges and mow down people trying to kill innocent women and children. We see ISIS and other things where they are trying to hurt and harm innocent people, Christians, losing their lives. These were serious times. Wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus by our side today? But you know what? Jesus can be in our hearts. He can be with us every moment of the day.
It is my prayer that we recognize the seriousness of the times that we live today, that we cannot just play church anymore. It's time to get serious with God and to let him enter our hearts fully. pastor and I were trying to minister to, to a young lady not too long ago. <clears throat> she was unfortunately drunk, so it wasn't too good of a conversation. Uh, but she had tried religion. She had tried to go to church, tried to go to prayer meeting and pray, and, and it was working for her for a while, and then she said it just stopped working. It wasn't working for her. Going to church, praying, singing, these are all important things. But if it's not going into the inside, it's no good. It's not helping at all. And so it was almost like talking to a different person, a person that hated God, that wanted to see this world burn. It was a horrible thing. And we couldn't minister to her. She told us to leave, and so we left. But we'll still pray for her. Sometimes people get burnt. They get discouraged. And I feel bad because they just did not experience Jesus. And so they give up. And it's such a sad thing because Jesus can live within us and give us hope, give us joy, and give us everything that we want. But unless we experience it, it's just an empty thing. And it's easy to get discouraged and to fall back into the world. My sister gave up on God. It was after her first divorce. My sister was the perfect student, straight A, Indiana Academy. She uh, loved the Lord, worked hard. She tried to be a perfectionist all that she could. But when the marriage failed, it's like God failed. Religion failed. And she gave up. She went to the world and said, I'm just going to do my own thing. <clears throat> and so she did that. She was married twice, had a baby out of wedlock. My parents just never gave up praying for her. And in the last few years of my parents' life, they saw their prayers answered, and she came back. <clears throat> she had my parents live in her home with her. She took care of them. They had morning worship. They prayed, and she gave her heart to Jesus with my father before he died. Their prayers were answered, and so we cannot give up for those that we pray for. If someone says, I give up, don't you give up. Don't you give up. You keep praying for them. You keep wooing them with the love of God, anointing them with the Holy Spirit. You claim the promises every day like medicine. I was telling some friends of mine, when you have an illness or a problem, you take a scripture and you claim that just like you would take penicillin every six hours. You take that scripture, you take that promise, and you claim it. It's stronger than any kind of medicine. It's a wonder drug of spiritual power. It's the power of God. It's there for us. We have to claim it. We have to receive it, though. We just can't be near it. We have to be in it, immersed in it. 
Peter saw the raising of Lazarus from the dead. What a powerful thing to see. Someone raised from the dead after being in the tomb for, what, three or four days? An amazing thing. He saw the power of God. He knew that he was the Messiah. And then in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, everyone was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. He is the the Messiah. He is here. Everyone was excited because they thought the Messiah is going to set up his kingdom, and now we're going to get rid of the Romans, and we're going to have a wonderful power again. Here's the Messiah. And it just wasn't the right mission that they had planned for, and so they became discouraged. And so it kind of came to a head in Peter's life in that Garden of Gethsemane. He was at the Garden of Gethsemane that he realized that religion just wasn't working anymore. He saw Jesus pleading with God to take away this cup, but he didn't know what he was talking about. He saw the sweat and the blood coming off the brow of Jesus. He saw him praying earnestly, and, and Jesus was talking about you know dying or something, and he just did not make sense to him. Here was the Messiah, and he just was so drowsy, he kept falling asleep. <clears throat> and it was like, you know, it's just, what is wrong with the Messiah? What is going on here? And he was so sleepy and, and slumbering until Jesus said, here comes the guards, wake up. Have you ever been driving down the highway and you're just cruising along and just, you know, get a little drowsy, not realizing how fast you're going or that stop sign you just kind of rolled through? And this big red light is, is on, your, on your, your mirror and you see, whoa, and the siren goes off. Suddenly you're no longer drowsy. You're no longer sleepy. You are wide awake. It's like a, ten, like a big gulp of, uh, of some, you know, bottle of caffeine, you know, Red Bull, you know, big gulp. You're, you're awake, wide awake for hours and hours after that. <clears throat> and this is what happened to Peter. He woke up. Here was the guards coming to arrest Jesus. Here was one of his disciples, his friends, his peers, coming over and kissing Jesus, saying that this is the one you need to arrest, betrayed him with a kiss. And Peter could not believe what was happening. He was incensed that they would take him, and here's the Messiah allowing himself to be taken by Roman guards. That was not going to happen with Peter. He was a man of action. He was not one who just writes books. He was a man that carried a sword. And so he pulls out his sword, and he whips off someone's ear, And before he knows it, Jesus takes away his arms. He was already bound, but he's releasing himself. He touched the servant's ear and made it whole. Can you imagine what went through Peter's mind? He says, what? I just cut that off. And so he's thinking, if I cut it off again, he'll just put it back on. We could be here all night. No, he was offended. He was offended that Jesus would allow himself to be taken by the Romans. This was not the plan. James and John were asked to be on the right side, the left side. Everybody was mad at them. Peter, of course, he wanted to be on the right side. Everybody wanted to be on the right side. They thought they were going to have a big kingdom. And to see Jesus arrested 
It was an insult. It was just not the plan. This was not the religion he had signed up for. This is not it. And he was mad, and so he decided to make a suggestion to his disciples. He said, let's save ourselves. And they just, they're gone. They fled. They left him alone. And the guards and the rabble, the mob, even the priests were there to see if it's done right. Took Jesus to the palace of the high priest, Annas and Caiaphas. It was a nice palace, beautiful, I would imagine. Had a nice big courtyard in the center. The walls were around it, and on the inside, there was like little fire pits where people could stay warm during the night. It was after midnight. It was getting cold. It was dark. It was a nice, quiet, sleepy town until the mob comes through, jeering and laughing and and uh, making a big uh, celebration that they had captured this Jesus. <clears throat> John and Peter kind of came back a little bit, followed from a distance, and they saw them go inside the palace. John, one of the disciples, knew the person at the door there, and they let him in, and, and John said, let's let Peter in too, and he said, okay. So they let him in. So John went over to the side, as close as he could to be near Jesus in the room, uh, just kind of away from everybody else. He just wanted to be close to him. And that is where... Peter should have been, and that's where we should always be when there is trouble. And there was trouble, believe me. Here was a preliminary trial to condemn Jesus so they could crucify him the very next day, and there was a lot of trouble. And so here was John getting as close as he can to Jesus because he could sense the trouble here. And that's what we need to do. When there is trouble, when there's a crisis, when there is a problem, what should we do? Get as near to Jesus as we possibly can. Not to fight back with the sword of Peter, but to get near Jesus. Draw near. Get close to him. Pray to him. Get in, his, in the word of God. And that is the safe place. Now, Peter, on the other hand, he decided he was just going to kind of mingle with the crowd, just kind of blend in. Nobody will know who I am. That's okay. I'm just going to kind of watch. I'll just kind of hang out here. Nobody will know me. That's just fine. And uh, that plan did not work because one of the servants said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he goes, oh, no, not me. <clears throat> he, he said, not me and not at all. And so, again, about an hour later, she said, Aren't you one of his disciples? Well, in the book of Mark, chapter 14, we we pick up this story. And in verse, where should, should I begin here? Let's begin at uh, at verse 64, Mark chapter 14, verse 64. This is the 
the high priest Caiaphas, saying, You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him to be deserving of death. And then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, Prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. And now as Peter was below in the courtyard, getting warm by the fire, looking for some marshmallows, make some s'mores here, let's kind of blend in, kind of mingle with the crowd, staying warm. Here was Jesus over here getting beaten. Here's Peter mingling with the crowd. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm just over here. And now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. No comprendo. And he went out on the porch, trying to get away a little bit, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them, but he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by to Peter and said again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And then the old sailor came out of him and said, he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed, and then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. He wept. This was the point in Peter's life that is the most significant. It's when he wept. When he realized he was a son of God getting beaten. Here am I getting warmed by the fire, mingling with the world. No one's going to know who I am. I can do what I want to do. I can do my own thing. And then he realized how much Jesus loved him. The book Desire of Ages, which is the most inspired book in the life of Christ, it is just the most amazing book ever. I want to share with you just a little bit because it's it's so good. She writes, while the degrading oaths were fresh upon Peter's lips and the shrill of the crowing of the cock was still ringing in his ears, the Savior turned from the frowning judges and looked full upon his poor disciple. At the same time, Peter's eyes were drawn to the Master, and in that gentle countenance he read deep pity and sorrow, but there was no anger there. In the sight of that pale and suffering face, those quivering lips, that look, that look of compassion and forgiveness pierced his heart like an arrow. Conscience was aroused, 
memory was active, and Peter called to mind his promise a few short hours before that he would go with his Lord to prison and to death. He remembered his grief when the Savior told him in the upper chamber that he would deny his Lord thrice that same night. Peter had just declared that he knew not Jesus, but he now realized with bitter grief how well his Lord knew him and how accurately he had read his heart, the falseness of which was unknown even to himself. A tide of memories rushed over him, the Savior's tender mercy, his kindness, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his patience toward his erring disciples, all was remembered. He recalled the caution, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. He reflected with horror upon his own ingratitude, his falsehood, his perjury. Once more he looked on at his master and saw a sacrilegious hand raised to smite him in the face. <coughs> Unable to endure the scene, he rushed, brokenhearted, from the hall. Peter just ran out. His heart was broken. His heart was <clears throat> like a stone. His name was Peter. It meant a rock or a pebble or a rolling stone, something like that. But his heart was a heart of stone until that moment when he saw Jesus look at him with love, unconditional love. It broke that heart of stone. <clears throat> If you are praying for someone, when you are working with someone, trying to help someone, if you show them an unconditional love, that will do wonders. Much more than a sword, Peter found out. We need to have our hearts broken to receive Jesus. We must let go of that heart of stone, allow him to come in. When I was trying to minister to this young lady, the pastor, Zach, and I were trying to tell her, you know, if you just let Jesus into your heart, he will forgive you. He can restore you. He can give you a good life. And she said, there is no Jesus. There is no God. Show him right here. Show him where he's at. And I said, he, is in, he wants to be in your heart. He wants to be in you, with you. But you need to surrender your heart to him. She said, she said I will never surrender. And when I heard that, I realized that's the problem. That's the whole issue. When, you, when we refuse to surrender our heart to him, Our hearts cannot be broken. We cannot let him in. We're going to pray for that girl. We're going to keep lifting her up in prayer. And I I believe that she will let him into her heart someday. I don't know when. But I believe Jesus loves her. 
I believe it's It's the same love he has for us. There is nothing that we can do to make him love us any less. There's not a thing that we can do to make him want to turn away his love from us. There are consequences to our choices, of course, but he never loves us any less. His love for us is unconditional. It is always it's always there for us. Peter realized not only was this the Messiah, the Son of God, but he realized how much Jesus loved him, regardless of the fact that he denied him. And so my plea this morning is that we will be willing to surrender our hearts to him every day. So before I close, I'd like to just give you a couple of minutes to silently pray, or if you like to, you can pray two or three together. You're welcome to do that. But I want you to have the opportunity this morning to surrender your heart to him. Let's just take a couple of minutes. Dear Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you love us so much that you give your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we want to experience Jesus in our lives. I'm tired of playing I'm tired of playing religion. Maybe there's someone here also that's tired and wants to know Jesus. So I pray this morning, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will, will come in a powerful way and save us from our sins. Take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and fill us with your spirit. That we may show love to one another so that we can be forgiving to one another because you have forgiven us of so much. I thank you for being with us today, Father. I know your spirit is here. And I know you can save us and you are saving us. So I thank you for that. So now, O oh Father, we just ask that you will be with us and give us strength each and every day that the words of the Lord and the word of God will come alive and be with us wherever we are. And that we can, like Paul, say that I die daily. It's not I that lives, but Jesus lives within me. And the life that I now live, 
In the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me unconditionally, who loves me and gave himself for me. Amen.